episode is sponsored by award-winning book, Spirit of the Woods, the story of a young woman's encounter with Bigfoot by James Allen Ross. Hey, boo things. It's your girl, Rebecca. And Lily. And you're listening to Just Ghoulie Things. Woo! I was late on that. I'm sorry. I got into the arm motions that I was doing. Hey, boo things. And welcome back to Just Ghoulie Things. And we are your beautiful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hey. So as many of our boo things know, Lily and I just recently got back from our Disney vacation. Oh my God. It was amazing. So magical. I forgot how crazy Disney was. Oh my God. Honestly, kind of me too. Like it was so, and it was so amazing to see the park at like one of, it was almost like close to the emptiest I've ever seen it. You know, when it was, when, without it being like an after hours event, you know? Yeah, well, like the, I think the longest we waited on for a ride was like twenty five minutes. Yeah, yeah, that was it. It was twenty, and it was for like a pretty, like the pretty popular rides too. So one of the crazy things I think on the trip was we were going on rides, getting mm-hmm. off them, and then going right back on the ride. It was insane. Never seen Disney like that ever. I think a peak moment was our first ride where we went on Pirates of the Caribbean. Now. Mind you, my mom falls, like, all the time, like, regularly. Like, I think she has an inner ear problem. And she had fallen within an hour of us being at the hotel. That was record timing. It really was. Like, I mean, she really made it. So we go. So now we, she's in a wheelchair. And we wheel her on to Pirates of the Caribbean. And <laughs> Rebecca and I get on. My mom, you know, gets out of her wheelchair and, like, hobbles over to the get in the boat and my dad is like all right I'm gonna put the wheelchair back and the boat took off without him (laughs) and I reached down for him and the boat just started moving it was very dramatic it was yeah you had to be there how about the drunk uncle at pool trivia (laughs) oh he was he was great he just joined right in with the family um of course the (laughs) Baldessaris just completely owned Disney trivia in our pool uh, it was great. It, it was kind of sad. It was just great because, like, the lady would just, as soon as she asked the question, would just look in our direction because she knew that <laughs> one of us was going to answer, most likely your dad or you. Yeah. And uh, it was it was a sight to see, I'll tell you that much. Well, and then we had the lifeguard, right? Oh, my God. Eli, Eli, Eli. <laughs> Eli, that's right. I forgot to say Eli, the lifeguard, a king of uh, a king, honestly, the king of the lifeguards. He doesn't know this, but we created a whole backstory to him just based off of our one conversation we had with him. Honestly, like Eli, between the two of us kind of got like bagel boy, not in the same way, but in the like, we've created this whole narrative. Right, where like he is the main character and we've just created it and like none of it's true. But I honestly started to believe it, to be honest with you. Oh yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole plaid couch theory of he has a plaid couch that's been in his family for like 30 years. And how he finally made it down to Disney World, even though he was from New Hampshire, yeah. Yes, you guys, this lifeguard literally just walked up to my mom and he was like, 
And like, he had the Disney spirit of like, where are you from? You know, like, how are you doing? Oh, this is my story. We're all friends, right? Like he did have the Disney spirit, I have to say. Like there were some people really with it. The woman who worked at, um, the woman who was doing the bag check-in and check-out, right? Riley, she was great. But Eli literally at one point just looked at my mom and was like, you know, I'm from New Hampshire and I could walk to Maine. I was walking distance from Maine. And my mom was just like, wow, that's really cool. That's so great. Thanks for telling me that. He's been waiting to pull that card for so long, but just couldn't <laughs> find the right family member to reach out to. Tower of Tower didn't disappoint. I love myself the Haunted Mansion. We went on that several times. Classics and must-dos for the Ghoulie Girls. Boo Bash, you guys, was so much fun. That's pretty much when Disney's like after hours at the park and Mm -hmm. you people dress up and you get to go on rides. And this was a great time to go for rides that maybe would take a little longer during the normal hours. So we went on that one Seven Dwarves ride, right? What was that called? Oh, yeah, we did uh, Seven Dwarves Mine Train. And that wait we was, that I think was our longest wait. That was like a 25-minute wait. Yeah. But it's like an hour and a half wait during the day. Yeah. And then we did Peter, yeah. And then we did Peter Pan, which is also usually like an hour, like a 60 to 90-minute wait during the day. Rebecca, tell us about the night before we left for vacation. Okay, guys. So the last time I went to Disney World, I had bought these Mickey Mouse slippers. So like literally what you see on Mickey Mouse's feet, I have on my feet in slipper form. They are fantastic. (laughs) They were $30 at the time I purchased them when I was 18 years old. It was fantastic. Still have them to this day. 10 out of 10 would highly recommend. Very comfortable. Uh, Very fashionable at that as well. So... (laughs) Of course, I had to break them out for Disney, and I only brought a carry-on and a backpack with me. I try to be as minimal as I can when I travel. So I took my big slippers that I bought, and I stuffed all of my underwear and all of my socks in them so that it would save space (laughs) in that. So I get to Lily's the night before because I'm sleeping over because we have an early flight, and I see her dad. And I show him the shoes and I'm like, hold on, let me like take my underwear and socks out of here. Like, this is kind of awkward. And he just looks at me and goes, those are some smelly slippers. He goes, what is this crotch foot? (laughs) (laughs) And so that was my nickname during the trip. And and it progressed to pussyfoot. And And then I said, you sounded like, yes, pussyfoot. And then what did it progress to? Um, it progressed somehow. I think Rebecca, it was you. We walked in and something smelled bad and you said it smells like Bedussy. So then you became Pussyfoot Bedussy, but you needed a middle initial. So it became J for Jehoshaphat. So you were Pussyfoot J Bedussy for and the whole for, rest of the trip. And for those that don't know what Bedussy is, it's, should I, should I even say, you know what? Just Let's just tell them to Google it. Just Google it. I'm not doing this on our podcast. But Let me see what comes up if I Google it. I would like to say that I talked about the Bedessi reference at, on the Disney trip, and <laughs> Lily's dad, Mike, knew the reference before Lily did. So I, was, I literally was like, what? And I can tell you why exactly. It 100% comes from his brother. Like, that is definitely something that my uncle heard and called my dad and was like, my, I can I can hear the call now. Mike, you ever heard of this Bedussie? 
Like that's the sentence Uncle Rick would say, hands down. That's a hundred percent. Like my dad is not cultured enough to know the reference on its own. Like he got a call from that or my other, like his friend from high school, my uncle Greg called him. Like I'm telling you, it was either Rick or Greg must have called my dad and said, have you heard about this thing called Badussi? And that was the end of it. Well, I have to say before we go into our next topic, before then we talk about why <laughs> you're on the show. Um, I do want to thank you guys again for having me a part of your family trip. It was an honor to be um, a Baldessari for the last six days. And it was so fun. Well, we want to say thank you also because we did get into like the token family like trip fight at one point in Animal Kingdom. And um, Rebecca was a good sport. She just sat it out. was like, yep. You know, there's two lilies on this trip. It was bound to happen. Um. It's great because, like, when you guys get into your, like, little bickers as families, like, I am so used to constant arguments in my family's household that, for me, I just completely <laughs> tune it out. Like, that's, just, that's my defense mechanism is I just tune everything out around me and I go into my own world. So it was fine. Like, you know. <laughs> so, Rebecca, um, what is our next topic before the main topic? Okay, guys. So I don't know if you guys remember, but a couple episodes back, Lily and I had talked about how we were invited to be on somebody else's podcast. Yes. This podcast isn't a podcast where we were being interviewed, but we were on a podcast called The Midnight Symphony. And this was actually created by one of our boothings. And he had reached out to us a while back saying that he was creating this uh, this new podcast and he wanted to implement Jez Bully things in his one of his episodes. And it just got released on September 17th. Uh, it is episode four called The Silent Highway. And again, the podcast is called The Midnight Symphony. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. So again, it's Midnight Symphony. And you can go on Apple Podcasts, rate it five stars, review, you know, review how much you loved us on the episode. <laughs> um, I believe we're like about 30 minutes in to the podcast episode. But you know what? Listen to the whole thing because it just makes it that much more special when you listen to how we're put into this podcast. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. If when we were doing the dialogue, I was like, I was into it. But when you hear the whole thing, it's really so much better. Yeah, for sure. So it's definitely, weird. definitely give it a listen. It's such a cool idea. And definitely, like Rebecca said, like listen and rate it five stars because I think it's worth it. Like also working kind of behind the scenes with an actual like a story podcast. You know what I mean? Like um, it shows all the work that goes into it that like for us is it's a different form of work. I'm not going to say it's easier or harder, but it's definitely a different form of work that you don't really appreciate. I was going to say it was weird to kind of start on this dialogue where if we're acting on, on television, like in front of camera or even in theater, you're feeding off of the other person that you're working with. Mm -hmm. There were some parts of this script where we, you know, Lily and I feed off each other, but yeah. we weren't working live with the other voice actors so it was weird kind of having to 
guess how that other person was going to sound. And, mm-hmm. um, but honestly, the way that they edited everything, everything came out beautiful. You just have to check out for yourselves. Again, the podcast is called Midnight Symphony. You can check it out on Apple, Google, and Spotify. So Rebecca, um, who goes first? You can go first because you have our listener story that I'd love for you to read first. Okay. Sounds like a plan. So, oh my God, I just went to move over to my email app to listen and all I saw was the definition of Badassi. <laughs> I love it. Pun- pungent odor. <laughs> okay. So this was sent to us by Jason C. And it is called My Encounter with a Witch. So it says, hello, I'm not sure why I am choosing to share the story. Every time I've told it at a family gathering with friends, or with friends, people seem to just laugh at me or at the story itself. I guess the reason why I'm choosing to share it here is that this is the only place where I can share my story with an audience that lends itself to the open-mindedness with paranormal occurrences. Yes, Jason, you are in the right place. You came to the right people. Yes. Anyway, I want to start by saying that this is 100% true and I have no reason to lie. If I was going to lie, I would have chosen aliens or a ghost story, something more common in the paranormal category. I guess I'm doing this just to get this off my chest so that maybe someone with a similar story can help me understand what I saw that night. In the month of September, a couple of years ago, when I was a junior in college my, and my friend was a sophomore, my girlfriend was a sophomore, we saw a witch. At this time in my life, I was commuting to college while my girlfriend was dorming. Every now and then, when it would get too late to drive back home, I would crash at her place for the night. It was very common for us to be out late before coming back to the dorm to spend the night. Her college was surrounded by hills that were quiet and remote in certain areas. We would sometimes go to, go to these hills whenever we needed some privacy. On this particular night, we had gotten into a big argument. The argument was escalating inside the dorm, so we decided it was better to go to the hills so that we would not make a huge scene in front of her roommates. Now, Jason, I would just like to say, your girlfriend must trust you a hell of a lot. Because if I was arguing with a man and he said, let's go into the remote-ass hills, there is no way. (laughs) That's very true, Lily. Like, I don't know. Maybe I just grew up around a criminal litigator, but I feel like I would never go to a secondary location with someone I was arguing with. (laughs) So good on both of you so far. Um, Around one or two in the morning, we parked outside the campus on a long stretching road on one of the surrounding hills. We sat and talked for about an hour before I noticed a figure in the distance that seemed decrepit and unusual. I thought, maybe it's just my tired eyes in the distance. Maybe it'll look more normal as it gets closer. My girlfriend must have thought the same thing because she didn't stop arguing at this time. As we continued to argue, the figure came nearer. From a distance, the figure looked disabled or incapacitated, yet still somehow able to walk. It looks like it was struggling to take steps, but was moving faster than normal walking speed. Its hair was completely covering its face, and I noticed it was not wearing regular clothes, but rags of clothing. It was horrible looking from a distance, but I still thought maybe it'll look more normal at a closer distance. Me in the morning. If I I had a dime for every time I heard that. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> At about 50 feet away from me and my girlfriend, we noticed this thing was not a normal human being. I don't even remember who stopped arguing first, but we were both in shock from what we were witnessing that we completely froze and did not say anything to one another. Honestly, this is me like casually placing myself outside of Bagel Boy's house. <laughs> and his family's eating dinner and they just look and they're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Somebody squish it. <laughs> Kill it with fire. <laughs> use use the use the use the bad shoe. Use the shoe that you don't care about. Stomp it out. Yeah, yeah get it, get get the shoe the dog chewed up, throw it <laughs> at it, see what happens. Get a long stick and just poke at it. <laughs> So, uh, when the thing, the witch, as we call her, came up to my door, oh God, my window was down due to the summer heat, so we got a clear view of her. Her face was badly disfigured, her hair was long and shaggy, and her entire body was bony, long, and looked broken in many places. Her face was devoid of skin in some places, and her eyes were pitch black with no whites. The body... The body looked mostly decomposed and had a strong odor. She looked up and laughed at us and asked, do you know when the next bus is coming? Mind you, this place had no buses around for miles. She seemed to have come out of literally nowhere and was now asking me for the next bus. I responded with, I'm not sure, but maybe you can find one down the hill. She proceeded to walk away from the car and disappeared into the darkness. If this were any regular older lady who may have been suffering from old age or a disease, I would not have shared this. This was definitely not a regular human as the features lend themselves only to something I can describe as paranormal. It was unusual for something to come out of the darkness in the middle of nowhere and definitely horrify us by only its appearance and strange nature and energy. I did the best I could with using words to describe what I saw in reality, but there are no words to describe what we saw that night. So I just want to clarify, me laughing at this story is purely from discomfort and also relatability. (laughs) Full disclaimer. I am not laughing at Jason's story because no, because I know that he's been laughed at before and we need to make it clear that I am laughing only because I relate to this disfigured hairy creature. (laughs) you're feeling like a not so great vibe from someone definitely say where they can find the next bus because you don't want them saying can you give me a ride yeah yeah honestly right? i would just fake it till i made it like i would make a, up a complete fake bus stop just follow your intuition give them the wrong direction give them the opposite direction in which you're going oh street smarts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. look at rebecca she got some street smarts Okay, Rebecca, your turn. Okay, so my story comes from Reddit, and this is from the writer Griffith Lee, and it's titled, Who Was My Travel Buddy? So I have a certain theory on what could have been the cause of this story, but I'm going to leave that. I'm going to have you come up with your own theory first, and then I'm going to give you mine. Oh, I like that. Yeah, if if not, we agree. Okay. Okay. So I've never particularly considered myself a believer of the paranormal, nor am I a complete skeptic. I mean, I turn all the lights on to go to the toilet if I've watched a scary film or (laughs) been reading some recent paranormal stories on Reddit. So I must believe, at least to an extent, I guess. But a a bit of backstory, my dad lives in the Scottish Highlands, 
has been for like the last 20 plus years. And I drive the 14 hour round trip to visit as often as possible, about two to three times a year. I've always loved this journey, especially if I'm by myself, as there's a around two to three hours of motorway, which is their definition of a highway, followed by back roads through the mountains, through forests and around locks where I can put music on and pretty much just switch off. For the most part, there's little to no phone signal. So I generally download a couple of playlists before I go, pop my phone in its holder and blindly follow the GPS before it loses signal. I've been doing this journey for years. So really I have no requirement of the GPS, but I love to have it on, on standby and beat the ETA. I do that all the time. Honestly, um, I no, I try to make the ETA. <laughs> yes. Anyhow, on this particular journey, I'm, I was coming home. I'd set off at nightfall as there's far less traffic on the overnight journeys and less chance of getting stuck behind holiday makers, especially caravans. I was traveling south in January and the weather was something else. My car showed an outside temperature of negative 12 degrees Celsius, which for us is 10 degrees Fahrenheit, and the snow barely stopped. It hadn't stopped since I arrived at my dad's house four days earlier. My wipers were on full speed, but still the snow kept piling up on my windscreen, meaning I had to drive around half my usual speed. Every now and then, there'd be a short break in the snowfall, and everything just looked magical. It was like driving through a Christmas card. Looking down into the valleys, everything covered in a thick white blanket and lit up by the dim glow of the overhead moon, making it possible to still make out the the river, weaving its way through the cracks in the deepest crevices, reflecting what little light there was. Couple this with a three to four foot of fresh snowfall and an inability to see any of the road, and you've got the potential of a lot of accidents. Now, yeah, this is horrifying. This is already a horror film in and of itself. Just the ride home. It's so descriptive, though. I love it. Yes, I actually feel like I'm on this journey with him. Um, In order to combat this, there's eight foot high sticks at the sides of the road with reflective tape at the top, red on one side and white on the other. Drive between these and you should be okay. So I was driving and driving. The snow just hadn't given up. And I was focusing on the red and white reflective tape to keep on the road. Up ahead, I saw the dim taillights of another car, a welcome sight as it was the first I'd seen in over an hour. Instead of focusing on the reflective sticks, I was now focusing on the taillights of the car ahead. I couldn't quite work out what make or model it was, a lightish white or light gray SUV of some sort. I thought this because I could make out their roof box and bike rack. They must have ignored the warnings to not drive tonight too. When I sped up to try and make some ground between us, it seemed to speed up too. If I slowed down, they slowed down too, and the space between us remained a constant. I decided that my headlights must have been annoying them in the rearview mirror, so kept the distance as it was, blindly slowing, oh, blindly following their lights, while being mindful to try and keep my tires in the most shallow bits of snow on the road, avoiding the occasional snow mound. Smart. Exactly, very smart. A bit of time lapsed. I have no idea how much as I had now switched off entirely listening to my mixed 90s old school dance, the howl of the wind and splat of snow on my windscreen, and in between wiper swishes, watching the red lights ahead of me, glowing in the dark like the eyes of a demonic beast, intent on keeping its distance. That was very descriptive, and I love that. For I love it. Somebody so, either was an English major or should be an English major or should have been an English major. Yes, 
I noticed the car ahead starting to take a turn off the road and felt a sudden sense of sadness and loneliness. I was losing my travel buddy. The only other sign of human life I'd seen in the last <laughs> few hours. I then realized that having been so intent on following the car in front, I had no idea where I was, which isn't an issue. I essentially just had to stay on the same road for three hours until I reached a fork in the road, turn right, and then onto the main road and then see a little roundabout. Bizarrely though, my GPS now just displayed lost GPS signal and had me as a dot on a white background. It never did this. It usually downloaded enough on the route to at least keep the map on screen. It was then that I got an overwhelming urge to follow the car ahead. I knew I shouldn't. I literally had no turnings I needed to make off the road and really didn't recognize the road they were taking. And the more I think of it, I've never noticed a turnoff that goes down the side of the mountain like this did, but maybe I just just never looked before. Anyway, I decided to follow it. Of course I did. If I ever think I shouldn't do something because it could end up in regret, I'll probably do it. (laughs) Although I love that. Although as I neared the turning, I started to doubt myself and thought I should stay on my road. But no matter how much I want to keep the wheels going straight, my hands and body wouldn't allow it. I just turned off. I didn't recognize this new road. I didn't recognize my old road when I was on that either. So it really made no difference. Everything was white. Everything was dark. Lots of trees and reflective sticks. If anything, it looked exactly the same, like I hadn't turned off at all. 10 to 15 minutes later, the car ahead started pulling away from me, only slowly but faster than I wanted to drive in these conditions, so I let it. It couldn't really get away. It really couldn't get away anyway, as there was nowhere to go from this road, so I figured I'd see it again shortly. Another 10 minutes or so passed of driving alone, and then In the distance, I spotted lights again, and this time I was catching up, and quickly. The lights were flashing in the dark distance. Amber, nothing, Amber, nothing. Then great, my travel buddy had got their hazard lights on, and they had stopped. I decided I'd pull over and see what was wrong. As I pulled up behind my buddy, which was a white Audi, possibly a Q3 or Q5, I'm not sure, I noticed the amount of snow on their car, surely far too much for them to have just stopped. And there's no tire tracks. And yeah, and there was no tire tracks for me to pull into. But it was 100% the same car I had just been following. I came to a stop as a woman in a big blue coat ran to my window waving her arms. I'm not the most empathetic of people, but it didn't take much to read the relief on her face and see that she'd been crying. She had to pull over because she had a puncture and then explained she'd been waiting there, unable to call anyone as there's no signal and thought she'd have to wait until morning before she could leave. She'd had her ignition on while she was listening to music and tried to keep the DVD player running on her little one, pressing the heated seat button each time it turned off until it wouldn't come back on. Her battery ended up dying on her. I thought she was being a bit dramatic, It was literally only a few minutes since she had pulled away from me. She can't have been here that long, right? Well, wrong, probably. She had been there for over four and a half hours. That's how long she said she had been there. Four and a half hours sitting in her car with her 18-month-old child in negative 12 degrees Celsius temperatures with no phone signal, no food or drink, and no way to heat the inside of the car. So this wasn't the car in front of me for the last two hours, but it looked exactly the same, even down to the dark gray roof box and the bike rack. Coincidence. 
a big one. That's all I can say. I logically, I think I suddenly felt angry, angry that the car in front of me hadn't stopped to help. I mean, maybe they thought I would, that's a a bit presumptuous of them. I asked her if she'd tried to flag them down. A look of confusion or concern spread across her face. She told me that there hadn't been a single car go past while she had been there. But I've been dot, dot, dot. I stopped myself from going any further, <laughs> explaining that I'd been following a car that didn't exist for over two hours. She was scared enough from being sat in this dark for over the last few hours, so I decided not to continue my conversation. I jumped out, looked in her car, assisted by the light from my headlights. I saw her little one was fast asleep. I asked her if she wanted some coffee from my flask, and she said yes. I knelt down in the snow. She had already tried removing the nuts and had left the wrench on the floor next to the wheel, which was covered in a layer of snow and freezing cold. I jacked up her car, removed her tire, and replaced it with a pitiful space saver from the boot. I lit a smoke and pulled my car next to hers, connected the batteries, and instructed her to start up her car. Once it came back to life, we stood and spoke, asked her where she was going, and she said, Sterling, brilliant, I'll follow behind you. Again, I thought, that's on my route. <laughs> she thanked me for helping her, for talking to her, and for, her, for calming her down. She thanked me for the coffee and gave me a quick hug. Quick enough to be meaningful, short enough to not be overly awkward from a stranger. She got in her car and set off. I got in my car. I sat for a moment staring at the all too familiar taillights of the white grayish SUV with the roof box and bike rack, lit up a smoke and then set it and set off. I sped up. I caught up to her. I slowed down. She pulled away. Her speed remained a constant. I kept wondering how she hadn't seen the other car, the other car that was exactly the same car as her car. I kept wondering how I now knew where we were, but yet we'd not turned off or turned on to any other roads. As we neared the civilization of the A roads, I started to become aware of the tracks left by my new travel buddy, the tracks in the snow left by their tires, the tracks in the snow that I'm 99% certain weren't there when I was following her or the other her before I stopped and offered her coffee. The snow eased as we entered a town called Kilmahog. We reached a junction and she turned right, I turned right. We were now driving in sleep, wet snow that leaves a dirty gray and brown slush on the ground. Wet snow that makes seeing much harder than the normal dry snow. As we approached the roundabout, she indicated left for the first turning. I indicated right for the last and pulled alongside her. She looked, waved goodbye and left. Someone or rather something took me that way that night, diverted my normal route, made me feel as though I had no other option but to follow that car guiding me to a stranded woman and her child in freezing conditions with no food, water, or heat. I'm still unsure how to explain it. I've not really thought about it too much. I'd like to not be able to understand things or give them a logical explanation. It makes me feel really uneasy. I certainly never thought to, too much about the paranormal. I've always presumed if the paranormal was real, it would present itself to me if I needed it to. If not, I'd live in blissful ignorance. But now I don't know. And to me, that's worse than knowing. The end. I love this story. Why didn't you save this one for last? Holy shit. So I do want to hear what your theory is on what was the reasoning or what happened during this paranormal encounter. Okay. Um, I have a few theories. Um, my first one, for some reason, was like, what if this is, 
is, I don't know why my first thought was so elaborate. Maybe it's my anxiety disorder, but literally I was thinking, what if they were ha- like the author was having like some kind of deja vu, right? That came back for a reason. You know how like you get random deja vu? Like, why do I feel like I was standing like in this lane at this grocery store on this day yes. with this clerk and this person in front of me and this person behind me before, right? Like, what if it was that? But I, I can't explain how it makes sense in my head. Maybe someone else can. My next thought was guardian angel in the form of a car. Okay. Well, that is exactly what I had as a theory was that it would be a guardian angel. Yay! The guardian speed racer car. Team guardian angel. We love that. I love that. No, I, I, that was after I realized how elaborate my first thought was, I was like, "Mm, it's gotta be a guardian angel, right? Someone who's manifesting or themselves as a car of all things, just kind of lure, I don't want to say lure someone, but lead someone, right? Yeah. To someone in need, someone who's capable of helping and clearly actually an empathetic person as much as they joked about not being there, right? Mm -hmm. Who maybe wasn't the biggest believer or didn't really care, who now is like, totally on the side of the paranormal. I love it. I love to see it. This is, this is a short senior thesis film. I love it. And like this guy had expressed in his story, this was so much more than just a coincidence. Everything lined up way too perfectly. So many things just happened to go the way that they did. What just, it, it was, it's very odd. And I do think it's paranormal. I do think it's a guardian angel. And I do kind of get like a hint of like doppelganger, but not like a dark omen doppelganger. Like it's like, it's, the see that. Of like, it's like the opposite of what we know of doppelganger activity. And maybe, maybe it's just my inner loneliness, but like, do you get a sense of like, what, like, like a missed connection there? Like, I get a sense of, like, what if, like, they were, like, she's a single mom and, like, the author's, like, a single guy and they're the same age. And, like, this is how they meet. Did we just right? discover a new Lifetime movie? I was about to say, is this, like, a Lifetime Hallmark kind of movie? Like, lost in the snow, found in the heart or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it goes, lost in the snow, found in the Badussie. In the Badussie. In the pussyfoot. In the pussyfoot. <laughs> All right, Lily, what is your last story before we get too graphic? Yes. So my last story is called Haunted RAF Hospital or RAF Hospital. So I Googled this um, and I believe it stands for Royal Air Force. Okay. We'll see. Um, so it says... It's written by Bedfardo, B-E-D-F-A-R-D-O. And it says, I, <laughs> it starts with the word I. Already setting the tone. I love that for him. This is my first post on Reddit, and I thought I'd share one of my experiences. It's not a particularly exciting one. I'll save those for my next few posts. So just to add some context, myself and three friends decided to Um, do some exploring at an abandoned RAF hospital in the UK. Nothing too particularly exciting about it. No stories with haunted history, etc. 
The whole site is one story with long corridors and straight lines going off everywhere. There's a morgue, surgery, and other not-so-nice parts to it. We take a walk around to each different area. The whole site probably encompasses no more than an acre or two. We camp out in different parts for no more than half an hour in each section, just generally having a relaxing time, not really discovering much other than bird's nests and empty McDonald's cups <laughs> from the groups who came before us. The whole atmosphere, however, suddenly changed as we entered the corridor leading to the morgue. Now, no word of a lie. I understand that this is sounding quite fictional, but every word is the truth. Two of my friends were walking towards the morgue ahead of myself and another friend about 10 to 15 meters. I don't know how long that is in feet, by the way. Me um, The two of us were walking slowly, trying to dodge debris, whilst passing the occasional glance to hear to, he- to each other. Sorry. I, my body shut down for a second, I guess. <laughs> The two of us were walking slowly, trying to dodge debris whilst passing the occasional glance to each other, talking about something, and then we hear this, hello. Ooh. That was my attempted British accent. Did you like it? Um, it just sounded like a really creepy man whispering in my ear, but sure. That was also part of the goal. Oh, okay. Now, cool. this, this was a groan. Oh something that immediately sent a chill down my spine. It was completely out of the blue and we weren't expecting it. Both of us did the whole, please tell me that was you charade, but it was neither of us. Add to the fact we were looking at each other as if we just finished speaking ourselves and as daft as it sounds, by the way, I only read stories now that were written in the UK. (laughs) Neither one of us could have said that without the other seeing. We soon booked it and told our other two friends ahead of us. There was no one else on site. It was the middle of the night, and we left shortly after, not wanting to figure out what said hello to us. So, yeah, that's me. Cheers. Disembodied voice is the worst. And I completely forgot that this wasn't supposed to be a hello, like a hello. It was supposed to be like a groan, probably something like, you know how, like, when you're sick and you're like, mommy, like, I think that was kind of the vibe. Let, like let, a, let's, let's, let's hear it again. I, I, I want to hear it again. The, the hello in my British accent. Yes. So it was either a hello or a hello. Honestly, just stick a fork in me. I'm done. If I ever hear that second version of that hello in real life. You said stick a fork in me, I'm done. So my next story is titled. So this kind of goes into a little bit of what I thought could be a possibility from my last story. And it's titled Dorm Roommates Doppelganger. Ooh. 54 years ago, I was a 19-year-old college student in a small town, Tennessee University, during its second year of integration. At that time, all minority students were lumped together in housing. Thus, my roommate was a brown-skinned, sweet, lovely girl named Jackie. We became best friends. I was a city girl, and Jackie was a country girl whose home was a mere 30-minute drive from campus. Usually, we would spend weekends in her hometown because the campus and surrounding businesses were like a ghost town. Nothing open, not even the school's cafeteria. We were on our own as far as food was concerned. 
The town depended heavily on the students for its vitality. Since most students went home for the weekend, the town was desolate. Like I said, we normally vacated the campus on weekends, but on this bitterly cold Saturday afternoon in the winter of 1967, we stayed on campus. I forgot the reason. But with nothing else to do but to watch television, we settled in the TV room in the basement. A word about the basement. Like most basements, it's dark and creepy. I never go down there alone. The kitchen is down there along with the laundry room, restroom, a couple of empty dorm rooms, and the TV room. The TV room swung on hinges that allowed it to open without a knob. Another girl was in the room, sitting in a chair in a corner, her legs tucked under her. So we were forced to watch what she was watching. So we lounged on the big couch and brief time later, Jackie got up and left out of the room saying something I didn't catch because I was so absorbed in the TV program. Right then, the TV lost its horizontal hold. Wavy lines started going up and down as televisions were apt to do back in the day. The girl in the chair did not move too, and she was closest to it. I guess being white, she saw me as subservient and that I should do the dirty work. I did get up. <laughs> I did get up and go over to the TV, but I resolved to change the channel. Um, it's important to know that the TV is located perpendicular to the wall of windows that looks out onto the patio, which were eye level to the ground. Remember, we were in the basement. To get to the patio, you would have to climb six steps push on the release bars of the double doors, which were chained during the winter as the patio filled with leaves and debris was off limits. So there I was fiddling with the horizontal hold when a movement outside and a flash of green caught my eye. I looked out the window and stepping down onto the patio from steps leading from another dorm that shared the patio was Jackie. My only alarm at that moment was Jackie outside in the blistering cold without, the, without a coat on. That was my, and then, my second thought was, how did she get out there so fast? The nearest doors were outside steps, then circling around the corner to the next dorm, go along the sidewalk to the steps leading down to the patio. Phew, with no coat on, it's asking for hypothermia. Then, <laughs> then too, why would she even be out there in the first place? I said aloud, what is Jackie doing on the patio? She walked straight towards the windows, making eye contact with me. During those 15 or so seconds, I managed to take in her clothes. The same thing Jackie was wearing, a green sweater and skirt. She limped across the broken tile, leaves-covered surface. A blister had rubbed on her heel from her penny loafers, and I could see the Band-Aid on the back of her heel when she walked along the back of the window, the bank of the windows. The most chilling was the smile that she gave me, a knowing smile, not quite evil, but sinister nonetheless. The TV room door swung open, and for a split second, I took my eye off outdoor Jackie to see Jackie come into the room. I screamed. Jackie, Holy come over. She goes, Jackie, come over here. It's you. Quick. Oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine being told that. Like, what the hell? So, of course, by the time Jackie limped across the room, the other Jackie had vanished through the surrounding brick wall. I won't, go into more, I won't go into more of the resulting story, only to say I was close to a nervous breakdown. I received counseling and was able to complete my education. I told some of my teachers, but they scoffed at me, so I just stopped talking about it. No, I wasn't on drugs. I wasn't hallucinating. I did not imagine it. The dean of women, sensitive to my otherworldly experience, moved Jackie to a different dorm. Whenever I would encounter her on campus, I would wonder, is this the real Jackie or the 
other. Then, years later, I was watching Twilight Zone. A woman named Millicent Barnes kept seeing herself at a bus station, attire and suitcase the same. And when she attempted to get on the bus, herself was always seated, looking out at her and smiling like she had the upper hand. It seems when there is a rift in the time-space continuum, the doppelganger can slip through into our universe and replace us. But I was there at the inopportune time or the opportune time to save Jackie. All I can say is, I hope I never encounter myself. The end. Yo, I hope I encounter my fucking replacement. I'm done. <laughs> Lily's like, my, my doppelganger me is about to catch these hands. Yeah, my, literally my doppelganger, I'm going to be like, all right, I put in a good... You know, put up a good fight. Your turn. <laughs> I'm clocking out. Tag me out. You know, like when someone's baby is screaming, but like you just happen to be holding it and then you like give it back to the mom or dad and you're like, yeah, yeah this is yours. Like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like, okay, here's some ponytail holders and diet Coke. You do the rest. This <laughs> is this is your time space continuum, bitch. Not mine anymore. Can we talk about how we're back recording on October 1st? Counting down. It's kind of perfect, isn't it? Yeah, counting down to one of our favorite holidays of all time. I'm so excited. I am so excited, too. I'm just excited to start painting some pumpkins, some carving some pumpkins, putting up my Halloween decorations. Yes! I gotta get a pumpkin. I gotta go pumpkin picking. Yes, me too. I have to get on that. I feel like this year went by so fast. I feel like September flew. It really did. It really did. So I have to like make sure I take advantage of every day of October. I have, they have that 31 day countdown to Halloween. What is it? On ABC family. Yes. Where they have all the scary movies. I'm going to post that on our Instagram. So follow us at. Just Ghoulie Things Podcast. And I'll make sure to post that so you guys can see what movies are going to be airing at what time. Yes. We should do like a live movie viewing of one of them. That'd be fun. Kind of get right? the things involved. and Yes, yeah, we'll do that. We'll pick a night. That'd be fun. All right. You ready to uh, shout out our socials? I was born ready to shout out our socials. All right. Let's do it. You can follow us on Instagram at... Just Ghoulie Thanks Podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and... At Lily Baldessari. Twitter. JGT Podcast. Facebook like page. Just Ghoulie Things Podcast. Facebook private group. Just Ghoulie Things Podcast group. Donate to that Patreon. Just Ghoulie Things Podcast. Buy our merch. RebeccaRuber.com slash shop where you can find merchandise for not only Just Ghoulie Things, but Rebecca Ruber's other podcast, Inside the Ring. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that they'd like to share on our show, feel free to email us at JustGhoulieThingsPodcastGmail.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars and review. Feel free to shout out our all our social media on your social media. Share our episodes. Every little bit of support counts. Uh, so thanks so much for listening, Boo Things, and we will talk to Boo next week. Goodbye. Alex Knight, the world's foremost authority on Bigfoot research, heads to Canada to investigate a profoundly incredible Bigfoot encounter. His daughter, Sydney, eagerly joins the expedition. Accompanied by reluctant Toronto television hostess Amira Ali, Sid and her father's team adventure north in pursuit of the legendary Sasquatch. Prophecy from a forgotten Algonquin tribe and a mystical calling deeply connects Sydney to the creature. The revelation of unknown truths ensures that Sydney will never see the forest 
or herself the same again. Get your copy of James Allen Ross's Spirit of the Woods, the story of a young woman's encounter with Bigfoot. Now for the price of $9.99, paperback, and $0.99 on Kindle. Available on Amazon now.